Join Greenbook at the 2024 Insight Innovation Exchange Conference Series. IIEX is your global hub for connections, inspiration, and innovative solutions in market research. Visit greenbook.org events to learn more about events in Asia, the Americas, and Europe. Use the code podcast for 20% off general admission on all upcoming events. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Stravito. Stravito is a user-friendly enterprise insights management platform purpose-built for high adoption and impact. To learn more, check out their website at stravito.com. That's S-T-R-A-V-I-T-O.com. Everybody, it's Lenny Murphy, and welcome to another edition of the Green Book Podcast. Uh, we appreciate you taking the time out of your busy day to share it with us as we share some pretty cool things with you. And speaking of pretty cool things, our guest today is Anna Lacomi, founder and CEO of your career guardian angel. Anna, welcome. Hi, Lenny. Thanks so much for having me here. I'm so excited to be in front of all of our fellow busy, ambitious insights professionals today. <laughs> well, I think that you definitely are projecting a little bit on that because <laughs> I, I don't know many people that are more busy and ambitious than you. So a, a little bit of background for our listeners. Anna and I met when she was working as the general manager of the Americas East for System One, the Ad Effectiveness Agency. And you'll understand why that is important in just a, a minute as we dive into kind of behavioral science. And, well, actually, I probably just kind of stole our thunder a little bit there. So <laughs> let's let's start with that because you were at System One for a long time. And obviously, you know, that business is based on applied behavioral science and as the name denotes. Tell us a little bit about how that experience helped translate into your new focus at your career guardian angel. Mm-hmm. Well, Lenny, I am point blank, just pretty much obsessed with humans, behavioral science, evolutionary psychology, neuroscience, how our brain works. So naturally, I also want to not just understand consumers, but I wanted to pivot a little bit and see how can we use what we know about system one versus system two thinking and how can we actually hack our brains? We're constantly wanting to help our clients build brands gain consumers, gain the attention and emotional response for consumers. But when do we ever stop and think about how am I emotionally going through my day? What positive emotions am I generating? How are negative emotions holding me back? I've been in the industry for 11 years, and I don't think we've ever really pointed that lens at us, us as humans, us as insights professionals, period. (laughs) So yeah, physician heal thyself, right? Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so and that is that is very cool. So for for again, and I've known each other for 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 quite a while now. And when she told me what she was doing, this kind of light bulb went out of like, well, holy crap! Wow, it, yes, you know how how do we apply these lessons to our lives as individuals, rather than as we do kind of externally projecting that to the masses. And I think you've come up with a really cool model for doing that and a particularly interesting emphasis on the business. So you want to tell us a little bit about the approach that you're using and what that focus area really is about? Yeah. So 
what happens is when we go to work, even as insights professionals, we know that we're not robots. We know that we're emotional beings. But when we show up at work, suddenly we throw all that out the window. A lot of us are particularly analytical. We're very rational. We like to solve problems. We like to look at data. But we forget that we are still emotional humans. And we need to bring that part of ourselves to work as well. And it's really for us. And the reason why I say that's so important is emotional intelligence is so important when it comes to things like burnout, stress, anxiety. And so when we kind of leave that at the door and we accept, hey, consumers are emotional, but we don't think, hey, I'm emotional, or maybe I'm being hijacked by my limbic brain. Maybe I'm being driven by fear. Hey, is my prefrontal cortex even on today? That's really my approach to coaching because people come to me for strategies and I have strategies, you know, galore. But what I found is that if when we don't address what's happening on the emotional level, when we don't address what are some blocks or self-sabotaging beliefs and habits, my strategies won't actually help you. And so that's why the foundation when I start to work with someone really starts with how, yes, everyone has a story about how their boss is, is tripping them up, how their company is not supporting them, how the world is out to get them. But really, we have to take radical accountability and responsibility for ourselves. And the only thing we can control is our response. And so that's why I am pretty obsessed with taking a look at and reminding people, hey, you're not a cave woman. You're not a caveman. However, your brain is oftentimes still operating in that system. What are the small habits that we can do to get you out of your head, out of your system one, limbic brain? And how can we put you more on that long-term sage perspective, the one that thinks more creatively, the ones that thinks more long-term? Our caveman brain was very short-term <laughs> oriented. And so that doesn't really serve us in the day-to-day, especially coming out of the pandemic when there was so much fear and so much more of that hijacking of our limbic brains. It's inevitable. So I don't know if that really explains it well, but it kind of gets into the, to the gist of how I look at career coaching from that perspective where it's not just about the rational strategies. It's really about you as a holistic being and getting you out of your own way, honestly, is my biggest job. Gosh, my, my both sides of my brain, but you know, the system one and system two are just spinning, thinking about all types of things. What What is interesting is certainly from the the you know, your background at, at system one of that emphasis on, oh, that focus on understand the non-conscious drivers. And I love how you've spun that on its head and say, look, yeah, those are important. And, and yes, we, we react this way. We need to understand those things, but we are not held captive to them, right? We are not owned by them. That is why there is system two. That is why there is rationality. That is why the, we have this ability to recognize we have these emotions, we are responsible for what we do with them. I mean, as a father, that's <laughs> my kids get sick of me talking about that because everything that every challenge that comes up for them, whether they're, you know, my nine-year-old or my 26-year-old, is okay, you feel that way, and and now what? <laughs> right. So, you know, are you going to let that control you? Or are you going to make other choices that can actually benefit your life rather than just being this roiling ball of emotions all the time? And I love how you tied that into certainly the pandemic as well. And I think that's been a huge thing for a lot of folks. It's also positive of the last few years of a lot of people recognizing, having the opportunity to step back and think about their lives in different ways, including recognizing that 
incredibly visceral, emotional response that we've all had uh, in a variety of ways to just the world <laughs> coming unmoored and making very specific directional choices to change, which often impacts career for so many of us. So is that part of your thinking to recognize that, in, in, I know you referenced this, but let's dive into a little bit more, that it seems like more people are decoupling from the norm, are decoupling from, well, this is what I've always done and this is how you know I've always reacted to realizing, wait, there's more here. I am more. You know, I am a holistic and, you know, and there are two sides of me and, you know, and maybe even three, if we throw in kind of the spiritual concept and embracing that to drive change in their lives, including in the part that eats up most of our lives in so many ways, which is our career. So I think I, I got lost in the weeds there a little bit, but do you think, do you see what I'm that mirrors exactly what I've seen these last couple of years. And it's my personal experience, Lenny. So I think about six months into the pandemic, you know, I was also in that state where I was like, oh my God, well, what is important to me? If the world disappears tomorrow, what legacy do I want to leave behind? Is If this working from home thing is forever, is this how I want to live my life forever? And yeah, it raised a lot of questions and it also gave me the time to reflect. You know, when everything shut down, there was a lot more journaling, sitting around. I personally fell in love with nature during the pandemic. And what was born was this idea that I never would have thought of a couple years ago. I never had any inclinations to be a career coach. I considered myself a career warrior just because I had become the head of the New York office in, for System One nine years after I was an intern, which looks like a success story on the outside, it was not a fairy tale. There was a lot of turbulations along the way that I had to learn in order to be able to get there. And despite all that, I never thought I would be teaching that. But what, when I dug deep, what I found is I really love to empower people. And so when I thought, well, what do I know? How can I help people feel empowered? Or how can I empower them with the wisdom I've gathered over the years? That became clear. And yeah, absolutely. I've talked to so many other people who felt the same way where suddenly it's like, hey, you know what? Maybe I don't even want to work full-time anymore. Maybe I want to work part-time. Maybe I don't want to live this extravagant life that I've been living. Maybe I want to move. So many changes have been taking place. And I think that is exactly where our power lies in the midst of all this fear, chaos, and change in the midst of the recession that's coming, the great reset. I mean, everything is changing, but we still have so much more power than we realize. And that's what makes me super excited every day. Yeah, no, we could go lots of places with that. The, <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> and that's very cool. And I want to dive a little more into kind of the thinking about work. But, but also, if, so if I recall correctly, you also have an acting and modeling background as well. Yes. Did that play a role in thinking about this as well? No, Lenny, but it's interesting because as I started studying, and we might talk about this in this podcast, something called positive intelligence and how you can actually rewire your brain into being more prefrontal cortex driven to make those better decisions for yourself in the long term. I thought about how, you know, I wish I had these tools during my acting career because my acting career was very much fueled with a lot of reactiveness and fear and chasing the next role, chasing the next audition. And it was extremely stressful. I actually burnt out within five years and just quit altogether, 
just one day packed it all up and never went on another audition again. That was about five years ago at this point. So I don't, I'm not sure if the acting career contributed to the coaching. I'm not sure about that. Although it does help with interview coaching because I've been on a lot of auditions. And let me tell you, Lenny, uh, what the biggest mistake I found actually for people that are seeking a new job is they bring only their system two brain to the interview. They bring their system two robot, repetitive, repeating their resume. And what I try to explain is when you're sitting there, when your foot is in the door, they probably checked all your system two metrics already. They looked at your resume, you had a screening call. But when you're sitting there, that's when you have to take advantage of system one. And what I mean by that is how do you emotionally engage the interviewer? How do you build a personal connection? And now we can't even interview in person. So we can't even talk about the drive-in. We can't even talk about the traffic or the weather. We just pop on Zoom and immediately are expected to perform, right? Perform and entertain and snag the job. So long story short, <laughs> it probably all helped. And yeah, I think there's a lot of benefit to applying behavioral sciences in so many different ways. So when I know when you were first launching, uh, I think the core of the idea was in helping particularly young immigrant women mm -hmm. from a coaching standpoint. My impression is that's expanded already. But talk a little bit about what that original kernel was about in identifying a real need to assist that population and then how you've expanded that out and realized, wait a minute, everybody needs this. It's not just the specific sector. Well, actually, I was kind of forced because more people started knocking on my door. And I, first it was men. And I was like, oh, my God, I don't know if I can I deal with men. But yes, it works with men. But the kernel of the whole immigrant background, when I look back and I already alluded to the fact that my career, despite looking really successful on the outside, was definitely a challenge for me. And for example, I was stuck in a role for three years at one point without promotion, without any recognition, you know, really killing myself for the role going above and beyond. I won't go into details. But what I found was once again, I took responsibility for that. When I stopped blaming everyone for my misfortune, and realized that why I was stuck was actually me and my fears and my fear of being successful, my fear of having more money and my fear of I'm not worthy of that. Actually, I actually looking back, I realized I kept myself stuck. And why that's important is I find in speaking with a lot of people who like me are either immigrants or children of immigrants, which I am. That worthiness and that success and money situation is a lot more convoluted because there's a lot more pressure, firstly, to make your parents' sacrifice worth it. It's an extreme amount of pressure. Like they literally up and moved. I can't imagine doing that today, getting up and moving and speaking another language, et cetera. I can't imagine. So first of all, there's a lot of pressure. And then secondly, generally as immigrants, immigrants are taught to work hard and put their head down and shut up. We're not taught to ask for a raise. We're not taught to uh, speak up. We're not taught to push back at all. Most of the immigrant women in the beginning that I started to work with were those people who were doing excellent work that was flying under the radar, picking up work for other people, very dependable, but not getting any sort of recognition. And I personally found that to be really unfair, not just for myself, but then I started realizing I wasn't the only one that was going through similar experiences. So that's why I first started to really dig into the immigrant population and those fears, that limbic brain hijack of, am I enough? I'm not enough. And, oh my God, I need to make my parents' sacrifice worth it. 
what a great soup cocktail to be in, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, so all of those themes, I think we're seeing play out at a macro level. And again, no surprise that you know, you've expanded your scope now with this thing that we call the great resignation of a lot of people. And it goes back to what we talked about earlier of folks just wanting something different, right? I think just reassessing reassessing life, reassessing their priorities, reassessing their values, reassessing how valuable they are, the value they assign to themselves, and causing a tremendous amount of disruption in the workforce. And I don't think we have really begun to see the full ramifications of that yet. So I think there is still far more to play out on this reshuffling of those things. And many traditional businesses, the kind of the traditional model of business struggling to accommodate that, even sometimes resentful, you know, Mm. these these damn millennials think that they should make a hundred thousand a year, you know, (laughs) type of thing. And no offense to millennials, but I do think that population, younger people have glommed onto that idea more of, I don't want what you've been doing as an employer, I don't want this culture. I don't want that 70 hours a week salary, just go, 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 go type of model. They are looking for more balance. They are looking for different motivations. It's not, it's not about money. It's not about the benefits. They're looking for something deeper. So first, am I, do you agree that we're seeing this play out at kind of a macro level and how does that play into your coaching as folks that are, are kind of going through that as a employee versus an employer adapting to that? Yeah. And, and Lenny, and this is something I have actually seen even before the pandemic. You know, you call that millennials. Let's also call out some Gen Z here. But absolutely, it's been a struggle to hire even before. And Before I was a coach, you know, I was a mentor to a lot of people. And these are a lot of the things that I would hear about. And, you know, I wonder if it's also a reflection of witnessing not so much, hey, employer, this is what you can offer. I don't want it. How much of that is also, hey, mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, I've seen you burn out, maybe be miserable for years at a time before you had some reprieve potentially. And yeah, and it's a rebellion. It's a rebellion against that. Absolutely. And then something else I've noticed on the other side of that is, funny enough, recently, a handful of my clients that I've been working with for quite some time now, they are voicing desires to move beyond their corporate job as well. So this can be smaller things like maybe having an Etsy shop, maybe being creative, expressing themselves. You know, us researchers, sometimes, especially on the quant side, we can't be as creative as we might want to be. I've met so many talented people with talented gigs on the side. I know some people get into voice acting. So, you know, it's not something that's going to be your full-time job potentially, but yes, there's absolutely that craving for more and more flexibility and just more options, period. And I think with the gig economy, I wonder if there's a way to reconcile all of this in the future, where potentially something like that, where maybe you work part-time here and offer maybe your digital marketing services, but maybe part-time you are a dog walker. I don't know. Whatever makes you happy. Is, is there a future where, where, like in Europe, where the whole full-time job isn't as widely accepted, where the part-time job is just as prestigious, just as normal? Yeah, I wonder if that's something that might come up in this 
transformation that we're going through right now. We're going to take a quick pause to highlight our podcast partner, Stravito. If you didn't know, Stravito is a user-friendly insights management platform, purpose-built for high adoption and impact. With Stravito, you can easily centralize, curate, and share your insights, enabling self-service access and increasing insights usage company-wide. Consumer behavior is complicated enough. Leveraging your insights shouldn't be. Learn more at their website, stravito.com. That's S-T-R-A-V-I-T-O dot com. I think you're right. And even if I look back at my comment of, you know, damn millennials, that's my very old <laughs> man, you know, thinking. But I, I understand it from the perspective we just talked about because I've been self-employed for 20 plus years. Because I'm a really bad employee, you know, so I'm arrogant, I'm defiant, I think you know, I know best and I want to do what I want to do, which I, I've just characterized as negative traits, but they're actually not. I've turned that into a, you know, into a nice business and lifestyle myself, primarily. And if I drill down into that to look for kind of the, the empathy here, it's that same motivation. I want to do things I want to do with people I want to do them with. And I like flexibility in my life. So I totally get that drive for many people to want to build that uh, as well. And to your point around kind of the gig economy, I think we're developing systems now that make that easier. Uh, you mentioned Etsy is a great example. Things like Shopify and you know all of these platforms to be able to take this niche interest that you have and create some level of scale and revenue through that. I think you know our, our listeners know that we've been developing this idea of Savio for a few years, which is the gig marketplace for the research industry. And more, stay tuned, more is happening with that uh, in the next few months as well to help enable that future of giving people, that's just one example of this opportunity to do more things that are aligned to your personal priorities in a flexible way. And I do think that that is, that the future is going to look a lot more like that in a lot of industries, not just ours, because I think it's a requirement. It's kind of like what Japan went through with the, you know, the post-World War II, there was the, uh, there was a very specific term for, for folks, the company man, you know, the Japanese male went to work for you know, Toshiba or whatever, right? And you worked 80 hours a week and you, you know, you drew a salary and you just did that. And then you retired. And it's very similar to, I think what we went through in the fifties and sixties as well. And, the generation of a kind of Gen X going forward rejected that. And, you know, they've had to transition and deal with those, uh, those challenges in a very different way. And I think that's happening all over the place to an adaptation to a more holistic model. And our lifespan, right, Lenny? I know you had a guest on here as well talking about the 100-year life and that book about how we are going to live till, you know, 100, maybe more. So maybe these millennials, Gen Z, you know, um, maybe they do have that foresight of, you know, I'm going to live a really long time. I might as well, you know, do something that, you know, brings me more joy or at least doesn't stress me out as much, right? And I think that's what's really important for employers to recognize. I really hope that in the future, for example, seeing a gap on a resume is not seen as a bad thing or even expecting or planning for times of reflection, rest, and learning 
Because what happens, um, you know, with people looking for different outlets or doing different things, those are different skills. And if we're going to live 100 years, we need different skills to take us through all these changes and all the different things we want to experience, being a business owner, being an employee, being an artist, whatever it is that we want to do, they're all skills. And I think if collectively we looked more at, you know, how can we help people build these skills? I think that will retain talent better, I think but also help the individual progress through these changes, which are inevitable with our long lifespans right now, which I think is really exciting. You know, we don't just get one career anymore. We can, we're probably going to have five, whether we want to or not, actually. Yeah. uh... (laughs) I'm on career three. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, and as you know, and our listeners uh, may have mentioned it in the past, but you know, we're in the process of, we bought a small farm. We are moving well, while this is being recorded, we're moving in a few days. So, you know, we'll be balancing all these things. Plus, you know, I'll be Farmer Lenny as well. Right? So this More whole, skills. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and very different skill sets than any I've used in the past. So that's an interesting idea is being embracing that multifaceted aspect of our lives and how we can leverage that to create more value. So let's talk about that for a second, Mm because one of the things that I think about often, and this is probably more as a parent, driving home that idea of everything that we've talked about, right? That as kids need to, like, I I want my kids to have fulfillment. I want them to have good, productive lives that are deeply meaningful and fulfilling to them. While also knowing that sometimes it's not always going to be deeply fulfilling and meaningful. Sometimes it's just going to kind of suck. Right. Sometimes it's just drudge work and you just have to do what you have to do because that's just life. Sometimes we have to do things we don't want to do. And the way I characterize it often from that perspective, from and, and I think this really does drive into values, kind of these intrinsic values as, as humans, is always ensuring, for me, I think of it as being of service to others. I think that is the ultimate means of fulfillment for me. I do things that help other people and that feels good, right? And there's a wide spectrum of things that I can do to make other people feel good. And that's because I don't want to fall into what I would consider personally selfishness or narcissism, right? And it's that balancing act always. If I need self-reflection, I need to own these things about myself. I need to understand what drives me. I need to, when I screw up, I need to, to own that and try and make it better. But ultimately, I don't want to live my life navel gazing, right? I consider that unproductive, right? And I think that productivity in however it's measured is a component of success. So do you tackle that with some of the topics as you go through of, you know, look, let's not get caught into this spiral of just self-reflection because it is around a career and a career by its very definition, I would argue, is about productivity. It's about doing things for other people. How do you tackle that? Yes. So much I can say about the topic of productivity. You know, we live in a society that, yes, productivity is important, but I think, you know, as someone who grew up in the 90s, that hustle culture I think could be taken to the extreme and anything taken to the extreme is just not good for us. And actually productivity is really interesting because there's different ways that we get in our own way when it comes to that. So for example, a lot of people, you know, the the joke about what is your greatest weakness? 
I'm a perfectionist. That actually is a weakness. There's so much energy that's expended on perfectionism and so much lashing out on yourself during that process that it actually prevents you from being more productive, not just right now, but in the future. Because then a lot of people don't know this, but actually perfectionism leads to really low self-esteem. Even though on the outside, it might seem like you have everything put together, you feel like crap. And these are the conversations that I have with people and I coach them to, what does 80% look like? Let's try 80% this week. Who noticed? How do you feel? You are actually more productive and you're happier and you're taking your walks and you managed to get a workout in? Oh, that's interesting. The world didn't fall apart when you weren't 110. So that's one example. On the other side of that extreme, and this one's tricky because procrastinators are also perfectionists oftentimes. And oftentimes it's the perfectionism that paralyzes them from taking action, making them procrastinate. So I don't really see them as two opposite things, but two different things. But from a procrastination standpoint, we also have that self-sabotage where, and I actually learned a really deep lesson on procrastination from my clients, which is me as someone that leans the other way a little bit, I tend to see like, just get it done. Just, just get over it and get it done. But what I've learned is procrastination is not the avoidance of a task. It's the avoidance of a feeling. And that has really changed my approach to how I coach my clients who tend to be the avoider types. It has transformed how I approach them from, oh, here's your list. Here's your productivity. This is how I get it done because I'm a productivity queen. Here you go. Once again, it's not about giving people the strategy. It's about empowering them to see how they might be sabotaging themselves and make a different choice. So with my procrastinators, we work more on their self-esteem. Once again, we work more on baby steps. We work honestly more on giving themselves credit. Once again, procrastinators similar to perfectionists are just beating themselves up all day because they're saying, I didn't get this done. I'm completely worthless. I'm not useful to anyone. I'm not even useful to myself. And that burden to carry just causes so many other issues. When you think about stress, anxiety, burnout, honestly, depression, things like that. So Yeah, (laughs) there's a lot we can talk about productivity and something that I've learned, a limiting belief of mine was I used to believe that happiness and productivity were, you know, they did not correlate together. I can either choose to be happy or I can choose to be productive on this day or this season of my life. And what I found after the pandemic and doing this kind of work is actually they do go together you can be more productive in a way that fuels your mental health and well-being. And actually, the healthier you are and happier you are, the more you get done because everyone hits a wall at one point and then everything just goes away, right? But if you can maintain a steadier pace, a more moderate pace, maybe not a hyper pace, you actually are more productive. Once again, thinking in the long term, not so much being so reactive in the short term. So yes, productivity. Is a really deep topic. It is. It is. Now, uh, I want to be conscious of time, and we could go on like this for a long time. But this is important, visceral stuff as humans, right? And that's why I was looking forward to having you on as a guest, and, and hopefully you'll come back. And by the way, for our listeners, Anna is going to be speaking at IEX Behavior coming up. So uh, I do encourage you to engage with her because, yeah, I think back to my life and I felt like I had something to prove for so very long. And then I went through the imposter syndrome scenario where I feel like I, somebody's going to figure out, I don't know what the hell that I'm really talking about. And I've just done a really good job of BSing of this. 
And then to a point of, no, I'm actually pretty darn good at what I do and I've earned this. And now to a point of, okay, all those things are true and I've lived, you know, 51 years now of my life and I've gone through some experiences and, and I think of myself as a man in full, right, to an extent of like, I've, I've earned my place in the world today and I still have maybe 50 more years to go, <laughs> right? So, and, what are you going to do? But that's right. That's right. So as you started out earlier saying, you know, what is my legacy? It's not just, you know, yay, I've had these kids and built these businesses or made this money, but making a positive impact on the world, not necessarily in some grand way, but, you know, in my own way, I want to leave the world a better place than I found it. So that definition of productivity that I really use at its core is that, oh, I am doing something to make the world better, even though the lens of that world, it may just be in my family. It may just be, you know, in my extended family or friends. It could be my community. It, you know, who, who knows how, what that, what that ripple effect is. But that's the gauge. That's the gauge. And knowing that some days I'm going to do better at that than others. Now, yesterday, I, I don't, don't mind saying we're recording this on a Tuesday. And man, I was just in a funk all day on Monday. It just, I wasn't getting stuff done, just, you know, distracted. And yeah, we're moving and we got all this stuff going on. So, you know, no, no wonder. <laughs> but, and the, the, Interesting was that maybe a few years ago, that would have, I would have turned that into some type of self-flagellation. And I didn't. It's like, yep, yeah, I'm having one of those days. You know, okay, just do what I can do and get through it. And, you know, because it, it didn't last forever and then today's a better day. And sorry, Anna, my, my brain's going mm -hmm. types of places. Are those the types of strategies and tactics that you use as a career coach? They sound like they are in helping people. You know, find Lenny, out. I was literally about to say, like, you will never need me to coach you with anything because you are literally describing what I refer to as that sage perspective. You talked about awareness. You talked about empathy for yourself and for others. You talked about a, one of the sage powers is also called navigate. And what that really compels us to do is to think about the future and that legacy. And you're doing that. And the fact that you created your own definition of productivity is really fascinating to me because it gives you this, this measuring stick of, you know, what am I doing? Why am I doing it? Et cetera. And the fact that it, it keeps you on track, it keeps you moderate. That's exactly what we want to see in terms of using more of our system to prefrontal cortex. It's more about that long-term moderation, long-term happiness and long-term satisfaction, as opposed to like short-term reactivity or short-term pleasures, which we know don't fulfill us in the end. So absolutely. I was so pleased to hear you describe everything that you just said, because that is exactly the kind of place that, and, and look at you, you are going through a move. I, I was so surprised that we scheduled this recording because I knew you were moving this week and you didn't let that, you know, one day where you were in a funk, you didn't let that derail you or your week and that lashing at you. A lot of people that come to me for career help, those are those ambitious types that do lash at themselves all day, every day over everything. So one of the first things that we do is really to start to become aware and separate that lashing out voice from you. Because that lashing out voice does come from the amygdala. It is fear-based, right? 
I didn't do anything again today. My world is going to crash. I'm a failure. I'm an imposter. I don't deserve this. You can really spiral. But once you get awareness and start to distance yourself from that, and if you can couple that with any mindfulness techniques to really get you in your body as opposed to your brain where all that chatter is, and us and the insights, once again, there's a lot of chatter there, I know. But if anything you could do to get into your body, it can be as simple as petting a cat. <laughs> that's the only reason why they're why they're worthwhile. I have a cat and that's her only purpose. Petting a cat or even listening to your AC when you're in a meeting, even listening to the AC suddenly gets you out of your head and gets you into your senses. Mindfulness is all about the senses. So you can even touch your mouse and like glide your finger over the cool exterior of it. That immediately reduces some of that chatter and lashing out and inner critic. So that's the only thing I would add to you. And I'm not sure if you do any of those things. Maybe you've developed them naturally over time. But I highly encourage everyone, especially when you're stressed, to engage your senses, period. Go on a walk, smell the, smell the, the hopefully you have good smells outside, feel the wind on your face. Anything you can do to engage your senses is really going to help activate your system two brain as opposed to being hijacked by that system one where you might be more reactive towards yourself that day. Well, wow, that is all really cool. Thank you for the affirmation. I do appreciate <laughs> that. That wasn't my intention, but um, since you're the expert, I will take it. Yes. You know? <laughs> uh, <laughs> so as we kind of wind down, tell us a little bit about how people can engage with you and a glimpse of what that process looks like, although I think we just got it, <laughs> how you can benefit and help other folks, and whether it's you or not, right? Whether just but this idea of your... Yeah, we're all changing and here's some techniques mm -hmm. that can balance between system one, system two and and do those things to be more effective. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So firstly, obviously come to IIX Behavior in September in Chicago, where I'll be doing a workshop. And Lenny, as you said, it's really about just applying everything. So it's not going to be me talking at you about these principles. It's you doing the work and then us troubleshooting and giving you, you know, five things you can change moving forward. So you can be more productive, happier, less burnt out and stressed, right? So that's, that's one thing you can do. But another thing I highly encourage you to do is to really look at the science of the brain, look at the science of the different brain components and start to realize how that applies to your life. Because when you start to read about the amygdala and how that's like the first part of our brain that was created, and it is very fear-based because that's how we survived as humans, you start to realize why, why it's such a struggle to get to the place where you are at, Lenny, right now. Because we do have this primal brain that does have such a big, profound control over us in a way because we had to survive. Not just, you know, not just our ancestors, but, you know, as children, when, when we don't know any better, we don't have thought processes yet when we're born. So, of course, we're going to dive right into our system one brain and be controlled by that. And that's a good thing because we're here thanks to that, right? So I, I encourage everyone to really look at that. But then I also encourage everyone to also look at, you know, neuroplasticity. And the fact that we can actually change our brains, we can rewire our brains through habit, we can rewire our brains by taking specific actions that take us once again into more of that system two thinking. And I know in our industry, we try to say that system two is so boring and 
slow and blah, blah, blah. But Len, you already mentioned like, yeah, but that's what makes us humans right here. We're the ones that develop the prefrontal cortex to be able to create, to be able to innovate, to be productive, to add to society, to think beyond me and my hunger today and satisfying that. You know, how do I build my community? How do I build a culture? So there's nothing wrong with wanting to lean towards system two, even as an insights professional, and neuroplasticity allows us to do that. It's amazing that our brain continues to create new synapses and connections and that we have, that's where our responsibility and control comes from because everything that we choose to do, for example, your example from yesterday, every time you practice empathy for yourself and not flagellating yourself for, you know, having a funky day that reinforces it. And over time, that becomes the preferred modus apparatus. And that's how we start to to function. So yeah, look into the brain, study that. And as an insights professional, really put the flashlight on you. You know, you're talking about consumers all day. What about you? What about your happiness? What about your career? What about your health? How can you hijack yourself knowing the wealth of knowledge that you, you've learned so far in this fascinating industry? <laughs> that's what I would say. That is all awesome. What, what, you know, we're still new at this whole podcast thing, but my God, I love conversations like this. <laughs> it, uh, it, it's so cool. And you're such a joy to be able to, to chat with. I hope Thank that you. Uh, you will come back uh, yes. to our listeners. It, go to IX Behavior in Chicago for a lot of reasons, but absolutely connect with Anna. If you, any of this has resonated, I would encourage you to please uh, reach out to her at your career guardian angel on that note, Anna, how can people find you? Um, you know, thankfully nobody else has my name. So if you look for Anna Lacomi on LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, wherever you want to find me, WhatsApp, just find me there. Um, and I'm happy to chat. And actually, if you are curious about how you might be self-sabotaging right now, if you've heard Lenny and I talk and you're like, wow, I wonder if I'm a perfectionist or maybe am, am I avoiding things? And where does that come from, from a biological and childhood perspective? If you find me on either LinkedIn or Instagram, there is a, a free assessment that you can also take that will tell you within a few minutes, you know, how you might specifically be keeping yourself stuck in that cycle of stress in your career. So check that out if you want. That's very cool. Thank you so much. This has just been a great conversation. I hope our listeners uh, feel the same way. Uh, we will definitely have you back. And can't wait for uh, for the next one. Congratulations on this transition and the success <laughs> in your life. For our listeners, uh, thank you for taking the time. We really appreciate it. That is our show today. I want to thank our producer, Karen Lynch, our editor, James Carlisle, our episode sponsor, Stravito, the entire Green Book team, and of course, Anna, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right, everybody. Take care. Until the next one. This is the Green Book Podcast. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Join Green Book for the 2024 Insight Innovation Exchange. This global conference series, also known as IIEX, is where connections are made, inspiration is found, and innovative solutions are discovered. With more than 90% of attendees using IIEX Insights to shape strategic business decisions, the return on investment is undeniable. Whether you're in Asia-Pacific, North America, Europe, or Latin America, 
IIEX is your gateway to the latest market research, best practices, tech innovation, and strategies for transforming insights into action. Nurture your career and business with insights from across the globe. And here's a bonus. Use the special code PODCAST to save 20% on general admission for all IIEX events. Visit greenbook.org events today to learn more and register. See you there.